0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapters 34 through 35, called The Two Roads.
1: Now, in ancient times, what you read from was a scroll, not a book. Books came along later. So when a scroll is rolled up, what do you think that that points to? Well, I think it points, in one sense, to the end of the story. God knows when he's going to close the book. God knows when he's going to roll up the scroll. And this is language that points not only to the end of the story, but this also points to the fact that God is on the throne, and when he wants stuff to be done, it's going to be done. He's going to write the ending himself. As a matter of fact, he's already written the ending. I hope you've read the end of the book because if you have, it means we win and we will be with him forever. But God has chosen a day when the host of heaven he will deal with, when the sky will be rolled up like a scroll, all their hosts also will wither away as a leaf withers from the vine or as one withers from the fig tree. Now, just for the sake of time, uh, you can uh, note a couple of things. First of all, in the book of Revelation, when God is uh, pictured by John as seated on the throne, all these incredible colors are emanating from the throne. He holds in Revelation 5, 1, a scroll in his hand. you remember? And many uh, commentators believe the scroll represents the title deed to the earth. The scroll has seven seals on it, and you cannot um, see or have that scroll unfolded and the plan unveiled until every seal is broken. When John recognizes in a universal search that no one is able to take the scroll and open it, break its seals and open it, he begins, remember, to weep in heaven. And then he's told to stop weeping for the line of the tribe of Judah has overcome to take the scroll, loose its seals, and to progress the plan of God. And that is a scroll that will sum up the times and the, the rolling up of the scroll here just reminds me of that scene. You'll have the seven seals unfold. The seventh seal is the wrath of God. And this is how the, the book, the Bible, culminates with this scroll and these seven seals being unveiled. And so this points to the last days scenario. You're also going to find in Revelation 6, this is the sixth seal of that particular scroll. Here's what it says. Just write down for your notes. Revelation 6, 12 through 14. And I looked when he broke the sixth seal, the lambs breaking the seals, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. The whole moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. This is Revelation six fourteen, And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain, And island, were moved out of their places. Revelation 6, 12 through 14. And God says in verse five, my sword is satiated, meaning full or satisfied in heaven. Behold, it shall descend for judgment upon Edom. Remember, this is the difficult chapter. Edom is also mentioned in Isaiah 63, verse one. And upon the people whom I have devoted to destruction, if you have a New King James, it says, upon the people of my curse, for judgment. Now, when you read a little bit on Isaiah 34, you'll find that commentators believe that Edom may just typify the nations. Edom came from Esau. Esau was Jacob's brother. Edom and Esau have the connotation of red. What was Esau about? Esau was a man of the field. He was an outdoorsman, and one day he came in famished from out, being out there hunting and you know, Jacob was cooking up the stew, and what did he do? He sold what his birthright and then, later on in the book of Genesis, Jacob dresses up like Esau with the encouragement of his mama, right, some animal skins on the wrists and and uh, makes some food for him and Dad is convinced, and he recognizes that there's a difference, but he can 't see real well and And Jacob steals the blessing. So now he's got the birthright of Esau and the blessing of Esau. And remember when Esau realizes what's happened to him and that conniver Jacob has done him in, what does he say?
0: Daddy, do you have anything for me? Is there a blessing left for me, Daddy?
1: Well, maybe you should take a look at your priorities, Esau. I mean, after all, you didn't seem to have a problem giving away what Jacob was more than willing to take from you. See, that's the kind of person Esau was. Edom comes from Esau. And when the children of Israel were moving out in the Exodus, they wanted to pass through Edomite territory. And this is the territory of modern-day Jordan, by the way, which is just to the east of Israel. And so uh, there they are, and they want to pass through, and the Edomites wouldn't let them pass through. They were even willing to pay for the water there. And Edom said no. And these were, this, these were familial relationships. These were brothers That should have been on each other's side. Of course, there was tension because of everything that had taken place. So there's one possibility that Edom is simply a picture of the world without God, the world that puts the flesh above the spirit, the world like Esau that sought repentance with tears, but, but though his heart wasn't really in it. It's like he was sorry, but he was sorry for the wrong reasons. You know how someone can say they're sorry about something, but then you realize they're not doing anything to change their circumstances? So you say, well, how sorry are you really? I mean, you come in here crying, but, but you keep selling things that are important for bowls of soup. I mean, how serious are you then? And so this is the, the sword of the Lord. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. Verse 6 it is sated with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats. those That's pointing to the sacrificial system with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra. There's the capital of Edom and a great slaughter in the land of Edom. Uh, you might want to write down for your notes Obadiah. When's the last time you read the book of Obadiah? Let me tell you something. If you want to kind of go around and boast to your friends that you've tackled a book of the Bible, go read Obadiah, because it's one chapter. And then you can tell your friends, I read a book of the Bible today. You did? Wow. Yeah, Obadiah. They don't even know where Obadiah was. They they probably won't even look for it, so you'll be looking good to your friends anyway. But read Obadiah, because you'll get a little bit more about this. So here's Basra. Here's the sword of the Lord, his judgment. That's the idea here. And there the Lord has a sacrifice. Look at the middle of verse 6 in Bazar. What's his sacrifice? Uh, It appears to be sinners who have not repented. You see, there's a sacrifice that is there for the people of God. Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians 5 7, was sacrificed. So if you're covered by the lamb's blood, then that sacrifice is applied to your life and you don't face the sword of the Lord. But if the blood of the lamb is not put on your house, as it were, what do you face then? You become the sacrifice. See, see here's the deal. We gotta understand this. Someone's gonna pay for our sins, okay? And it's either gonna be Christ or us. Uh, I don't think there's a third option. If you know of one, let me know. But I don't think there is one. Biblically speaking, Jesus Christ has become the sacrifice for our sins. If we appropriate that, simply means receive, accept, believe, trust in him. That sacrifice is applied to your life. God passes over you in judgment because the blood of the lamb is on your life. But you say, no, I won't apply that. I won't put the blood on my life. Then guess what? Then you face the sword of the Lord and you become the sacrifice. That's what a lot of people don't understand. They think, well, if I do enough good things, then I won't have to face the judgment of God. And God says, no, you've already broken my law, so take the way of escape. Go the way of Jesus Christ, and you will find life. Pursue peace with all men. This is Hebrews 12, 14. And the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Some translations say the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, Hebrews 12:15, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. And there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal, Hebrews 12:17. For you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance though he sought it with tears. That's Hebrews 12, 14 through 17. He came in, he was sorry. Dad, do you have anything left? I'm sorry. It's done, it's over. Jacob's got the blessing and it's gonna remain on him. Verse seven. Wild oxen shall also fall with them. Young bulls with strong ones, thus their land shall be, here it is again, radical, soaked with blood and their dust become greasy with fat. Let me just read a little bit from my notes. In the sacrificial system, the blood and the fat were exclusively for God, Leviticus 3:16 and 17. This is the point of the shift of metaphor here to the slaughter of animals. In judgment, the Lord seeks what is peculiarly peculiar especially His. <laughs> that to which He alone has a right. felt like Elmer Fudd there. Note the blood of the lambs in verse 6, and the oxen and bulls may represent Edom's troops or leaders who owe a sin debt to God. Since the nations, this is from John MacArthur, had not repented, the last part is from him, and obeyed God's way of sacrifice for sins, they become the sacrificial penalty for their own sins. That's the point. So here God is using sacrificial language. He's saying the animal stepped in for you and the sacrificial system, Christ became the fulfillment of that. But if you don't receive Christ, there no longer remains what? A sacrifice for sin. Because if you bypass the sacrifice for sin, what do you have left? There's nothing. You can't go back to the animal system because that is not going to remove your sin. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to do what? To take away sin. And so that sacrifice is what God has Uh, put on display for the world. For the Lord has a day, verse 8, of vengeance, a year of recompense, that's retribution in the NIV. What is his day of recompense about? It is for the cause of Zion. It's for the cause of Israel. It's for the cause of Jerusalem. In the last day scenario, and of course through history, we know Israel has been uh, battered, beat up, persecuted, holocaust, And the last days are gonna bring a scenario of that kind of scene again, where we know that there's going to be, I mean, today, we see it. We see all this anti-Semitism. We see people publicly saying they wanna push Israel into the sea. We see her surrounded by her enemies today. And the Lord's saying, when I come... When I intervene in this day of the Lord, a big reason why he's going to come is for his people, of course, but it will be, if you notice, for the cause of Zion. Retribution speaks of paying back. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, and he will recompense his people.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: Since the nations, this is from John MacArthur, had not repented, the last part is from him, and obeyed God's way of sacrifice for sins, they become the sacrificial penalty for their own sins. That's the point. So here God is using sacrificial language. He's saying the animal stepped in for you in the sacrificial system. Christ became the fulfillment of that. But if you don't receive Christ, there no longer remains what? A sacrifice for sin, Because if you bypass the sacrifice for sin, what do you have left? There's nothing. You can't go back to the animal system because that is not going to remove your sin. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to do what? To take away sin. And so that sacrifice is what God has uh, put on display for the world. For the Lord has a day, verse 8, of vengeance, a year of recompense, that's retribution in the NIV. What is his day of recompense about? It is for the cause of Zion. It's for the cause of Israel. It's for the cause of Jerusalem. In the last day scenario, and of course through history, we know Israel has been uh, battered, beat up, persecuted, Holocaust. And the last days are going to bring a scenario of that kind of scene again. Where we know that there's going to be, I mean today we see it. We see All this anti-Semitism, we see people publicly saying they want to push Israel into the sea. We see her surrounded by her enemies today. And the Lord's saying, when I come, when I intervene in this day of the Lord, a big reason why he's going to come is for his people, of course, but it will be, if you notice, for the cause of Zion. Retribution speaks of paying back. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, and he will recompense his people. So we know that throughout history, It's been a very difficult thing for um, people to understand the Holocaust, to understand where God was in the Holocaust, to understand why so many people died. But the Lord's saying when the day of the Lord happens, part of the reason that he does what he does is to recompense or to bring uh, retribution for those who have abused his people. And its streams shall be turned into pitch. Here, still the picture, I think, of Edom. And its loose earth into brimstone. These, this language reminds us of Sodom and Gomorrah. Its land shall become burning pitch, verse 10. It shall not be quenched night or day, this judgment that comes. And notice this its smoke shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall be desolate. None shall pass through it forever and ever. Turn to the Re- uh, book of Revelation, go to chapter 14. There's several places where Babylon representing the world and its religious system, this language is used of smoke going up forever and ever. Let me show you just a couple of these places. Here's Revelation 14. Look at verse 11. Oh man, it's too good. Verse nine. (laughs) And another angel, Revelation 14, nine, a third one followed them saying... With a loud voice, if, anybody, if anyone worships the beast and his image, receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, Revelation 14.10, he, he, also, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. And here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Uh, I could show you some other places, but for now, go back to Isaiah 34. And so this radical judgment comes, and when it comes, places that were inhabited and uh, fertile become filled with Unclean animals. Notice verse eleven, Isaiah thirty-four. But pelican and hedgehog—if you have a New King James, it says uh, porcupine. This is Isaiah thirty-four, eleven. Shall possess it? and owl and raven shall dwell in it. And he, God, shall stretch over it the line of desolation or confusion, and the plumb line of emptiness. These words, uh, confusion and emptiness, come from Genesis one-two when the world was. Uh, void uh, empty and void and God created everything and God is going to stretch a line of chaos over all those who do not trust in him radical this is what life is like without God this is where you end up without God in a chaotic place of darkness look at with owls and porcupines and ravens I don't know about you but I couldn't help but think of the haunted forest and the Wizard of Oz <laughs> That may be a bad illustration, but. Woo, 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 rah, rah, woo. And the cowardly lion saying, I do believe it's spooks. I do believe I do. I do. I do. Anyway. Sorry. Just a little cowardly lion. I thought you guys needed a little bit of humor after this heavy stuff. But, but can you imagine? I don't know. Um, thinking of what torment and hell really mean. You know, gnashing of teeth, regret, fear. Um, Is this an illustration of like being in a dark forest with things going bump in the night and you don't quite know what's there, but you know whatever's there probably doesn't have really good intentions for you? I don't know, but... Its nobles, verse 12, there is no one there whom they may proclaim king. That's all they wanted is a human king, and they were willing to embrace the Antichrist. But now they look around, there's nobody there. All its princes shall be nothing. They're gone. There's no one left to look to. No normal human heroes that we can vote into office to save us. Thorns shall come up in fortified towers. This is all language of... Uh, things that are desolate, nettles and thistles in fortified cities. It shall be a haunt of jackals and a boat of ostriches. Ostriches, And the desert creature shall meet with the wolves. The hairy goat also shall cry to its kind. Yes, the night monster or creature shall settle there and, sh- and shall find herself a resting place. The tree snake, I mean, these are all things that are just things that you see in nightmares, right? The tree snake shall make its nest and lay eggs there. It will hatch and gather them under its protection. Yes, the hawk shall be gathered there. Everyone with its own kind and all the people say, yeah, you know what? I don't think hell will be so bad. All my buddies will be there and we'll just tap the keg and we'll party. Really? Well, you better... Get comfortable with snakes and jackals and owls and porcupines. (laughs) Because that's what you get. Now, what do you do? Well, seek, look at verse 16, from the book of the Lord and read. Not one of these will be missing. None will lack its mate, speaking of those animals, For his mouth has commanded and his spirit has gathered them. You know, if you're reading this, remember there was an invitation right at the beginning of Isaiah 34. Hey, nations, come and hear what the Lord says through the prophet. And he summoned the nations to himself. And he said, hey, now now that you've gotten the skinny, the scoop on what this is going to look like, if you choose road B instead of road A, if you choose to reject Jesus Christ, well, let me tell you something. Read the book again. Because the Lord has spoken it, it will come to pass. His words come to pass. Amen? All the prophecies about Jesus at his first coming came to pass. And they're going to come to pass again. So read the book and seek wisdom from the book. As the book of Revelation says in Revelation 1-3, read and heed the words of this book. Blessed is he who reads and heeds. And that's what the Lord says. Seek from the book. Read it. Because not one thing that the Lord says will be missing. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Not one jot, not one tittle from the book of the law until all things be accomplished. God has elevated his word above his name. It will come to pass. And so he says, you might want to read it again. You might want to just take a look at it again. I don't have time to read the Bible, you know. Do we really believe that the Bible is God's word? What other book would you want to read if you believe that this is the word of God breathed out to us? We should spend as much time as possible, knowing exactly what this says. But we got all kinds of stuff coming at us that keeps us away. He has a, he has cast verse seventeen a lot for them. His hand has divided to them uh, it to them by line. They shall possess it forever, from generation to generation. They shall dwell in it. Speaking of God uh, put the promised land to the people by lots and here he's petitioning out uh, the land of Edom, it seems, in context to the, those who will dwell in it. Now, if we said goodnight right now, I know you'd walk out and say, hey, wow, sheesh, tough. Well, we're going to keep going. 35, I told you there's a tough chapter and then one that will make you glad.
0: You've been listening to The Two Roads, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 34 and 35. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings and more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, sometimes when we look at the
1: topic of prophecy, we can say, you know what? These things confuse me. I don't get it. <laughs> and you know what? Prophecy can be complicated and it can often be layered. Uh, it's important that you understand historical context. And maybe you're brand new to the Bible and you're like the book of Isaiah and, you know, uh, judgment type passages. What do I do with this? Well, you dig deeper. You see, <laughs> we need to be challenged to know the Word of God, all of it is profitable for us. And part of that is prophecy, and part of that is what happened in the past and what we can learn from it in the future. And all of these things are valuable things. And if we can help you in any way, let us know. Why don't you reach out to us at 844-48-TRUTH. That's a number that you can call Tuesday through Friday. If we can pray with you and for you, recommend a Bible for you, etc., 844 844- 48 truth but i will tell you if you want to keep growing in this area get a good study bible get a commentator commentary on isaiah and keep listening to walk in truth and you'll keep growing this is pastor michael lance hey thank you so much for listening and partnering with us we love you we'll see you lord willing right here
0: tomorrow and just a reminder that this is a listener supported ministry would you consider becoming a partner for just five dollars a month We're blessed to know that the teachings reach thousands of listeners like you every weekday through our radio partners and through the podcast. We could use your help for the price of a cup of coffee. If you've learned something from Pastor Michael's teaching, or if you've been encouraged, please help others like you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapters 34 and 35 called The Two Roads. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.